Hello and welcome to the Nature Storyteller. It is that strange time between Christmas and New Year when no one knows what day it is and the daylight hours are short. I know that in this part of the woods, the night is long. It's dark, it's windy and it's rainy, just like it has been in your area too. So what could be better on a long, dark evening than listening to traditional tales about nature and wildlife? And tonight we have two exciting stories to share with you. Our first story, The Owl is a Creature of the Night, is about a curious tawny owl who wants to see if the daytime is as beautiful and enchanting as he has been told. So, if you're ready, sit back, relax, forget the worries of the day and let your imagination take you on a journey with these magical stories. Welcome to the Nature Storyteller's first story of this evening, and it's called The Owl is a Creature of the Night. Our story begins with a tawny owl. A tawny owl with a rounded head and body and a ring of dark feathers around his face that surrounded his eyes, just like all the other tawny owls. He had beautiful feathers, a rich reddish brown colour above and a subtly subdued rich red underneath. The owl was a creature of the night, but he had heard of the day and he was very curious to see if the day was as magical as he had been told. Owl stayed awake all night with his brothers and sisters soaring above the treetops beneath the bright moon and clouds far, far above. Before dawn, as the other owls settled down in their nests, he stayed awake. He sat on the top of the tall tree to watch the sun as it peeked above the horizon before starting its day-long climb through the sky. Owl swiveled his head, as only owls can do, and saw some squirrels coming out of their drays of sticks and into the tree canopy. The tawny owl watched in awe as they scampered and chased each other up and down through the trees, running to the end of the long branches and leaping into the air before landing expertly on another tree branch and scampering away again. The woodland was teeming with birds in all shapes and sizes and colours. They sang their happy songs as they went about their daily business. Al saw a robin that had a bright red chest and long, thin legs. Then the owl spotted the blue tips with their cousins, the great tips, 
and they were in a small flock with long tail tips all making their way through the lower canopy checking every branch and every bough for grubs and bugs. The male blackbird sang his melody nearby whilst his cousin the thrush competed with him from just beyond the stand of young oaks in the hedgerow. The owl swiveled his head again and he spotted the dog fox returning to his den on the woodland floor. He was late this morning but he did have a good meal for his vixen between his jaws. Owl looked round and saw a young roebuck appearing from the east and it began browsing the fresh green foliage. The young roe didn't notice Owl, who was sat silently watching from above. The owl left his tree perch a little later and flew towards the meadow. The bright morning sunlight made him squint at first. But after a few minutes, his eyes adjusted and he began to see the world around him in daylight. The vast sky was a beautiful shade of blue with fluffy white clouds replacing the stars that he was more used to seeing at night. The owl was amazed at the many shades of green that he never even knew existed in the woods and in the meadow. The dawn was a miracle for Owl, but he knew that the day would continue to roll on. The Owl continued to fly until he arrived at the river. When he stopped, he sat perched on another oak tree and he could see the rocks and stones beneath the clear water and the green weed as it swirled and trailed, moving and swaying slowly in the current. Owl gazed at the flowers. They were abundant in number. Every colour of the rainbow and every shade and tone he could imagine was present. And he could see the bees busily collecting the pollen. Owl thought to himself, oh, day is truly magical and just as spectacular as he had been told. Owl spent the afternoon in a large tree outside the churchyard on the edge of the village. He had never seen so many people, all of them scurrying in and out of shops and buildings. Some were getting into their brightly coloured cars and others were walking or cycling. He saw the children leaving school all dressed in green jumpers and grey trousers. And he smiled at how the children all looked the same, whilst the adults all looked so different, wearing so many different colours. And he guessed that that must just be a human thing. As the day wore on, the sun began to sink towards the western horizon, and the streetlights came on in the village. Oh, that was too much for Al. And he flew away from the village back towards the woodland. As dusk began to descend and Al felt much safer being back in the woods. He sat up high in the oak tree and he watched the squirrels as they hurried their way back home while the colourful and loud birds retreated back home to their nests. 
The vibrant colours of the woodlands and plants faded as they surrendered to the setting sun. However, the noisy crows and jackdaws hadn't returned to their roost yet. He could see them flying above the woodland, making a lot of noise, increasing to a crescendo as they circled before descending into the woods and chattering noisily to each other. The setting sun was bright, golden and red, but it eventually disappeared and the owl could see it no more. The sky's light blue hue turned into a bruised black and the owl was thrilled because he was a creature of the night. He heard his brothers and sisters waking up in their nests. They started to spread their large wings and calling out with a twit and answering with a tool. He watched the badgers emerge from their burrows to start their games and rough and tumble as the moon rose in her arc into the night sky. The male fox headed towards the village to seek food for his family, whilst the vixen headed towards the local farm. The trees turned black as the night approached and the owl watched as the bats left their roosts in the hollows of the old trees to look for moths and insects using their echolocation. A rustling of leaves and a snorting breathing far below told Owl that the hedgehog had begun his nightly patrols. The owl was so excited to join his brothers and sisters and to soar through the night sky to feast. But he was too tired to fly tonight. So he sat alone at the top of one of the tallest trees and he reminisced about the beautiful things he had seen and heard during the day, including the vivid colours of the birds and their beautiful songs, the beautiful blue sky and the white fluffy clouds and the oh so many shades of green on the trees and on the hedges and of course the stunning golden hues of the sun. Although Al had seen his first dawn and enjoyed his first day, he knew he would not return. The owl was hungry as he fell asleep for the first time at night, but he knew deep in his heart that he was a creature of the night. you enjoyed the previous story about the tawny owl's adventure it showed us the magic of daytime and how the owl felt more comfortable in the dark of the night with his family and friends in the familiar dark woodlands with the moon and the stars above him that he knew so well our second story tonight is a fantasy work explaining why moles live underground. The story includes all the characteristics of moles as a species and depicts their encounter with bees, which changes everything. 
this is a story suitable for all ages. Now, if you are ready and comfortable, please close your eyes if it is safe to do so. And let us embark on another nature storytelling adventure. Mole slowly made his way up the tree, searching for a bee's nest. Now, if you have ever seen a mole, you will know that they are not designed for climbing anything, least of all giant trees. But Mole loved eating honey for his breakfast. His front claws were so long and sharp and he hooked them into the bark to support his body's weight. But Mole's back legs were of no use for climbing and they just trailed behind him and that made climbing tricky. Mole, who had been to the bee's nest a few times before, knew that as soon as he began to eat the honey, the adult bees would attack and sting him. So he knew he had to get away from the bee's nest and down the tree as fast as possible because those bee stings hurt. Finally, he heard a buzzing above him and saw the beautiful dome-like structure of the bee's nest. All Mole could think of was his breakfast and his tummy rumbled. Just as Mole got to the bee's nest, his right claw slipped and he hung off the branch by only his left foot. Mole quickly pressed his face against the tree's bark and told himself not to look down. The roughness of the bark left a pattern impression on his cheek. He was pushing his face against it so hard. After a while, Mole got his right paw back onto the branch and gripped it as hard as he could with his claw. He stayed there for a few minutes to steady his breathing and his heart rate down again. Once his heart rate had slowed, Mole began climbing again. As always, he was driven on by his rumbling tummy. As Mole again got near to the beehive, he could smell the honey, but he knew that the bees would soon discover him. The queen had received reports of Mole's approach to the bee's nest. She was unhappy because she knew that every few weeks the Mole would come and take her honey and he always damaged the nest. It took the drone bees so long to repair it again after Mole had gone. The queen called for the fighter bees to get ready for battle. Just then from a corner, a little voice said, I understand that you want to get rid of the mole, your majesty, and I have an idea. It was a young drone bee interrupting the queen. The queen looked disapprovingly at him, but the drone smiled and asked for her permission to speak. 
please, your majesty, said the drone bee, as he respectfully bowed before the queen and waved his antennae. The queen was a bit annoyed, but she wanted to stop that pesky mole, so she beckoned the drone closer and asked him to speak. Back out on the top of the tree, the mole was studying the bee's repairs after his last visit to the nest when, to his surprise, a young bee crawled out of a side door in the nest. Now, Mole had never seen a bee up close before and he noted just how magnificent the bee's stripes were and how the bee's coat was soft and shiny looking, a bit like Mole's really. The mole was even more surprised when the bee crawled towards him instead of flying away or trying to sting him. The bee looked at Mole and said, You're up high, my friend. And the bee pointed his antennae towards the ground and said, See how small everything looks from up here. Mole turned his head and looked down and his stomach did a double flip. The flowers and plants were just a sea of colour and he had to really strain his eyes to pick out a single flower. Mole felt his mouth dry up like a bird's dust bath. His muscles tensed and he instinctively pressed himself against the bark of the tree. Now, the bee could see the sweat springing onto Mole's face, making his snout wet and his claws slippery. Mole looked at the bee, but it was too late. The fear had already set in. Now, my friend, said the bee, you've seen how high you are, and you don't even have wings. That's brave, very, very brave. And the bee fluttered his wings in front of the now terrified Mole. The mole shook his head as he gripped the tree tightly and he whined, but I must eat or I will starve. The bee crawled closer and he whispered, I know where food is and it's abundant for someone like you. It's down there. And the bee gestured towards the ground, but mole would not look down again as he was too scared. While the bee had been talking to Mole, a large swarm of bees had slowly crawled out of the entrance and they lined up along the trunk of the tree. There must have been 500 wide and about 500 deep as well. Mole looked and he sighed because he realised he would have to climb through all those bees to get his breakfast and he couldn't even eat the ones he passed as the fighter bees tasted awful and they burned his tongue when he ate them before the mole turned to the bee next to him and he said tell me more if we climb down i can show you said the bee slowly moving towards mole's face forcing him to climb down the tree awkwardly and backwards. As Mole descended the tree, the bee matched him step by step. 
until Mole finally dropped off the tree a few feet from the ground and he landed with a dull thud. As Mole lay on his back, shaking his head after the bump, the bee fluttered down and settled upon Mole's tummy. When you are ready, then follow me, said the bee. And with that, the bee swiftly flew over to one of the deep crevices where the giant tree roots entered the earth. Looking down into the deep hole, the bee waved his wing to Mole and said, quickly, come over here. When Mole arrived, he peered into the darkness and for a moment, he couldn't see anything. But as his eyes began to adjust to the darkness below, he could see some long pink things wriggling along far down below him. That is a nest of worms, said the bee, and they are delicious. And what's even better is that you don't have to climb or get stung to get at them. And the bee did a wriggly little bee dance as he was so excited. Mole dropped his nose to the ground. The bee was right and the worm certainly smelled delicious. How do I get down there to get them, said the mole. Bee smiled and said, why, you dig, of course, while he made a little digging movement with his front legs. Mole tried but he only made scratches in the ground. Nah, it's not working, said Mole, whose tummy was loudly growling and grumbling again now. Mole looked up longingly at the bee's nest far above him and then shook his head and started to scrape at the soil again. After a few more minutes of Mole frantically gouging the ground, the bee climbed onto the tree root. As good neighbours, said the bee, I think we may be able to help you. Mole stopped and looked up expectantly. Well, you know your front feet are best for digging, but your back ones are not. Maybe we can help you to dig, said the bee. Now, the mole was very interested indeed. And how will you do that? He said inquisitively. Well, you've been stung before and you know the pain goes away after a while, said the bee. Yes, said Mole, who didn't like being stung by the bees. Well, the bee continued, there's magic in our stingers. We can anaesthetize your paws with our stings so they will dig better and you can get all the worms that you can eat. Uh, okay. But how does that work? asked the mole. That, my friend, is our magic and I cannot tell you. Otherwise, the magic might not work, replied the bee. Suddenly, the mole's stomach growled loudly, interrupting their conversation. Oh, okay, okay, let's do it, said the mole, as he, he held out his front paws. Okay then, but you must close your eyes, said the bee. I won't do it, protested the mole. 
but you have to for the magic to work, said the bee. And reluctantly and slowly, Mole placed his front paws flat on the rock in front of him, but then quickly pulled them away again. Mole was thinking, should I trust the bee? And the bee sensed this and he said, it's to get your breakfast and to make the magic work. Okay, agreed Mole, putting his paws on the rock and closing his eyes. Right, you will hear some buzzing, said the bee, but don't worry, it's just our magic working. Now, move your paws a bit closer together. Slowly, the Mole readjusted his position and he braced himself. Suddenly, there was a loud Bang! A strong gust of wind hit Mole straight in the face, followed by an excruciating pain in his front paws. The Mole let out a terrifying scream, and when Mole opened his eyes, he saw a large flat stone where his paws had been. Mole felt faint, and more than a little giddy as the pain from his paws surged through his body. Ouch, ouch, and ouch again, shouted the mole. Mole looked around, but the bee had gone. Oh, when I get my paws out from under this rock, I will tell that bee precisely what I think of him for tricking me, said Mole, as he tried to free his paws. But his paws were firmly stuck. He wriggled and jiggled them, but the rock was big and heavy, and he couldn't move his paws at all. Mole pushed his back legs against the rock, and slowly it began to slide, just a little bit, until, with one big effort, the Mole could pull his front paws from under the rock. Now, Mole's paws were throbbing, and sore and when he looked at them they were as flat as pancakes and his nails had become long claws mole sighed after a few minutes mole got cross he jumped up and looked up at the tall tree towards the bee's nest hey bee he called out i want a word with you but His nose twitched as Mole stood at the bottom of the tree. He could smell those delicious worms again. Hmm, maybe I'll deal with the bee later, thought Mole, because now I need to get some food into my tummy. Mole moved to where the bee had shown him the worms beneath the tree root, and he started digging. And, as if by magic, the soil just moved away from in front of him. His new paws were like large spades, and he found he could dig quickly and he could dig deeply. Very soon, Mole found a worm, and without hesitation, he hungrily gobbled it up. But it was all crunchy, and it left grit on his tongue. Yuck, said Mole as he spat the worm out. Mole looked up towards the bee's nest as he longed to taste the honey again. But then he looked down at his front paws and sighed, knowing 
that he would never climb a tree again. His tummy rumbled and he thought of the worms again, which this time made his mouth water. Mole began to dig and soon found all the delicious worms he could eat. He sat back in an earthen hollow he had created with his tummy full and thought that that was the best feast he had ever had. And do you know what Mole did then? He began digging again, way past the worm's nest and down deep into the soil, following the tree root as it twisted and turned its way through the earth. The mole really enjoyed digging and he was good at it and just kept on going. Before dawn, Mole had created a network of tunnels and each tunnel had a large nest of worms along the route so Mole would never have a growly, grumbly tummy again. And Mole had even created little earthen side rooms along every tunnel in the network with enough space for him to spend a comfortable day sleeping. So, now you know why and how the Mole lives underground. And that is a very good place for us to end our story today. joining us today at the nature storyteller i hope our stories have taken you to a beautiful place deep within your own imagination and at the same time i hope you've gained more knowledge about the natural world and wild creatures that share it with us storytelling has always been a way for our ancestors to share their understanding learning wisdom and knowledge of their world Through the generations, these stories have entertained, informed, and inspired people. And they continue to do so to this very day. Now it's time for me to return to the forest and begin a new adventure that I will share with you on the next Nature Storyteller podcast.